And a very good morning to each and every one. So great to see everyone. Welcome, and welcome to all those who will join us virtually later today or in the future. August the 15th in the year of our Lord, 2021. We're going to begin this morning with a congregational reading from 1 John 4, 9 through 10. Shall we read together? In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Come. praise you, Lord, to give you as much praise as we can, Lord. We thank you that we can be here this morning, that we can come together in fellowship. Lord, we thank you that you've given us that opportunity. Lord, please help us to, to focus this morning and, and take in as much as possible of the lesson that we can to apply it to our lives so that we can further your kingdom here and and ultimately give you everything that you desire from us, Lord. Lord, please be with those that need you at this time. Please be with Mallory Boudreau with her, her leg, ankle. Lord, please be with Steve Adams' mom and with Bibi's mother also. 
Lord, please help those that are dealing with the, the virus that is still here and, and still plaguing us, Lord. Lord, we thank you for your son that came to this earth and, and paid the, the ultimate price, Lord. He placed himself on the cross and took on our sins. And with that sacrifice, he gave us the opportunity to follow you and believe in you and one day have a place in heaven with you. Lord, please be with us this morning and, and we thank you for everything that you've given us. And it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Our next song will prepare our minds for observance of the Lord's Supper. My Jesus, I love from 1 Corinthians 11, starting in verse 23, says, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. You know, the reality is we proclaim the Lord's death every Sunday in this moment. And for a lot of people, 
That has been a difficult, one of the most difficult concepts in all of the Bible. That God came to earth in the form of man and then allowed himself to die. It's one of the rare things you find in Christianity that you don't really find anywhere else. That God submitted to his creation even to the point of death. So why would we celebrate that? Well, of course we know why we would celebrate that, right? Because there is no life for any of us because of our sin, because of our weakness, because of our flesh, because of our very nature. There is no life. There is no eternal life. There is no true life without the death of Christ. Because we couldn't do it on our own. We were never going to be able to fix the problem we created in ourselves through our own choice. So God, in his infinite wisdom, in his amazing love, sent his son to the cross to die to take care of a problem we couldn't fix ourselves. That's why we celebrate the death of Jesus Christ. Because in his body, he bore our shame. You ever feel shame for your sin? I know I do. You ever feel unworthy because of your sin? I know I do at times. Jesus took that through the punishment of his body, through the disgrace and the shame that he endured on that path to the cross. And even while he was hanging on the cross, he took all of that for you. And then his blood was shed. The only perfect sacrifice ever the only sacrifice capable of washing away all sin. The blood of Christ. That's why we celebrate it. All the time. Every day. Specifically during this time on Sunday. Because there is no hope without Jesus Christ. There is no salvation without the blood of Christ. Let's pray. Father God, we we're humbled, Lord, every time we think about this, God, we're we're grateful, we're also humbled to know that we spend so much of our lives running around trying to fix things, trying to, trying to work things out, trying to make things happen, Lord, but there was so much about life we couldn't. There's so much about life that we can't make right. So much about life that we can't fix. God, we, we were deceived. But we also make choices that separate ourselves from you, Lord. We're grateful that you are faithful. We're grateful that you are true. We're grateful that you came to this earth, sent your son, to die on a cross for us, for all those things we can't fix, for all those things we can't do on our own. Father, your love is truly amazing. I pray we never take that for granted. Father, as we eat this bread, which represents your body, Lord, I pray that, that we give you our shame, that we, that we are honest with you about our sin in our lives, Lord, that we 
we remember the sacrifice you made for us and all that it means to us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's continue in prayer. Father, as we think about this fruit of the vine and what it represents, Lord, it represents the most important thing that ever happened in the entire world. Reconciliation of God and his creation. Reconciliation of God and that which he made in his image. Lord, we're so grateful that your son, even though he was in the garden before his death, praying, Lord, if there's any other way, take this cup from me, God. We're so grateful that he was willing to submit, not just to you, but in a very real way to us. He died for us because it was your will, because it was the only way. Father, I pray we never take the blood of Christ for granted. I pray we always appreciate what you've done. I pray we allow that to guide our lives. That love that you showed us on the cross. I pray we allow that to guide our lives. So Father, as we take this fruit of the vine that represents your shed blood, I pray we remember and never take for granted that it's only by your blood only by the blood of Christ that anyone can have their sins washed away and receive eternal life. Lord, we're grateful. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we realize that you bless us in many, many ways. Father, right now, I ask that you help us to reflect on the ways that you provide for our daily needs. <clears throat> we thank you, Father, for our homes, our families, our friends, the food we eat, the clothes we wear, and so many other things, Father. Father, we pray that you'd help us to prepare to give back a portion of those things, but help us to do so in a, in a trust that you'll continue to provide. Father, we pray that you help us to give generously. We pray that the things, the gifts that we provide back to you would be used to spread your kingdom and help those in need. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. it's convenient, shall we stand for the song before the lesson? Since the love of God has shed Christ's
Good morning. Today I'll be reading 1 John 4, 7 through 8. My dear friends, we must love each other. Love comes from God, and when we love each other, it shows that we have been given new life. We are now God's children, and we know him. God is love, and anyone who doesn't love others has never known him. Isaac, you nailed it again. Perfect. Absolutely perfect. I don't know if you're a sports fan or not. Uh, if you are, you've heard about the reenactment of the movie The Field of Dreams. When I heard about it, I, I had already prepared this, so this is not ripping them off or anything, but David Allen writes about this the way the Christians should view it. He writes this. Ask men, you know, to list their top five baseball movies. Most men will place Field of Dreams on their lists. Ray Kinsella, played by Kevin Costner, lives in rural Iowa with his wife Annie and his daughter Karen. While walking through the, co the cornfield one day, Ray hears a whisper. If you build it, they will come. Ray concludes that the voice is telling him to build a baseball field. So he plows the corn under, and he does this, just that. He waits, and he, and he watches, and the baseball players appear out of nowhere. It's unbelievable. Well, there's shoeless Joe Jackson and other players from the 1919 Chicago White Sox. The plot of the movie twists and turns to the final scene. The sun is westering in the sky and the ball players leave the field and disappear in the corn. Except for shoeless Joe Jackson. He looks at Ray and tells him, if you build it, he will come. And then he glances towards the catcher, near home plate, removing his chest protector and mask. Ray suddenly realizes the man is his father, John Gonzalez. 
And as a young man, before Ray was even born, Ray remembers when he was 17, and he had this big fight with his father. He had never spoke to his father again. Ray regretted this all of his life, but his father had died. And Ray lost his chance to make things right. Now he and his fathers converse for a moment, both understanding, neither saying anything more. Ray turns to his father as his father begins to walk towards the cornfield. And with deep emotion, choking back the tears, Ray calls out, you want to play catch, Dad? His father turns and pauses and responds, yeah, I would like that very much. So Ray dons a glove and he and his father play catch as the movie ends. Then he adds this, but the field of dreams theologically has it backwards. In, in the movie, the wayward son asked the father, you want to play catch? But in the Bible, God the father asked the, re the rebellious son, want to play catch? Because of his great love for us, God initiated our salvation. Think of your life and your love like a baseball and throw it back to the divine picture who threw it to you first. And the game continues. And you might even hear a heavenly voice say, do you want to play catch? Would you pray with me, please? Father, we thank you for reaching out to us, for sending Jesus for us, and for allowing him to die for us. Sometimes, Lord, we get it wrong. We ask that you help us get it right. To see the love that you have for us and how far you will go. I ask that you help me get out of the way this morning so that people can see you. I pray in Jesus' name. In 1 John 4, 7 through 8, he writes, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is 
love. In the Bible, there's a lot of talk about how God loves us and how we love God and back and forth, but there are three big ways. By far, by far in the Bible, it mentions God's love for us. Just over and over through the Old Testament, New Testament, it is always God loves us. And then sometimes it comes back to us and says, and what we asked of you is that you love God. But in 1 John 4, 7 and 8, he says God is love. If you're going to describe God, you can't take that away from him in any aspect of life. If you're going to love God or get to know God, you've got to see that everything he's ever done, everything he's ever done for us, anything that he's ever got involved in, God got involved in because of love. He is love. And if he is love, his DNA in us, since he's in us, and he is love, his DNA causes us to love. You see, it's much more than just looking at God and say, okay, I can do the, the rudiments. I can get whatever they tell me I have to do. And, and you do it and you say, okay, that should take care of it. No, 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 that's not the signal that you have God. The signal you have God is you love. It's God's DNA that he contributes to you. There's a psychologist that used to live named Murray Bowen. And Murray Bowen was the first one to say that when you are born, you carry some of the characteristics of your parents. If they have a disease that they can spread on by birth, you get that DNA. He will even say there are some things that are in your DNA that you will absolutely hate, but, but it's part of being passed on. And when I thought about this, I thought about Michelle. And she went through this period where it was tough. She was going through grad school, and she calls me one day and says, Dad, tell me again, if I kill every mailman and bury him in the backyard, you'll still love me. We did that when she was a teenager and having trouble. And I said, Honey, you know I'm going to still love you. She says, yeah, but you used to say it a lot, and I, I really will. And I said, but remember, they can trace your DNA back to your mom and I. <laughs> and she said, oh, yeah. And I said, now, now I tell her, you can spread it to your children, and they can go all the way back. And they'll know who you are. You see, the DNA is given. And because the DNA is in them that was in me, they can trace. They know. If God is in you, 
they ought to be tracing his love back to you. And that love can't possibly stay dormant any more than it stayed dormant when God was here and he planned the crucifixion of Christ and he put his son on a cross. Self-centeredness, selfishness, if you are born of God, they go away. They naturally go away. Love pushes them out. Because the love of God inside of you is changing your ways, changing your priorities, changing everything about you. This is so important. If we are born of God, his love will be in us and it will be among us. Now, we do pretty good on this among us. We talk about how we're the, the family of God. We talk about how we care about each other. We're constantly reaching out and we are friends with each other. And that's because of the love of God in us, not because we've merited it. How's his love doing in you? How's he changing you? In verses 9 and 10, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us. And he sent his son as an intoning sacrifice for our sins. God's the one who started the love. C.H. Dodd, who is a commentator, writes this about this, these two verses. Love might stand alongside other statements such as God creates, God rules, God judges. That is to say it means that love is one of his activities. But to say God is love implies that all of his, all of his activities are loving activities. If God creates, God creates in love. If God rules, God rules in love. Even if God judges, God judges in love. That's good. And do you want to see Jesus live it? He went to people who we would consider, maybe not us, but the people of their day constantly got on him for being around. He calls Matthew and Matthew sits there and says, oh, that was right away. Jesus knew that would be a criticism. He's a tax collector. Tax collectors are crooked. They don't care about God. They've left the Jewish religion. They're working for Rome. 
But he, he calls Matthew and makes him one of his disciples. And Matthew throws this big party, and guess who comes to the party? Matthew's friends. Those who can relate to Matthew. And the Pharisees and teachers of the law walk up and down and up and down looking at the people inside, and they look and say, why is he with them? And Jesus says, it's the sick that need the doctor. You've got to go learn what it means. I de desire mercy, not sacrifice. Hosea 6.6. 6. He goes to Samaria, and the person he picks to talk about it in Samaria is a woman who's been married five times and now has a living lover. Why is he talking to her? That was the 12 that asked that question. They didn't even want Jesus talking to her. First of all, she's a woman. Second of all, she's a sinful woman. And Jesus sits there and plans a whole discussion the whole time with her. Why would he do that? Didn't he know what people would think? Even the Samaritans would think bad of him. But he does it because God loves. He told the three parables in Luke 15 about losing and and people started relating, and he says, listen, that's God. God loves. And when he loses somebody, it hurts. How about you? When somebody comes in, then... Using James' language, they're dressed in shabby clothes, and... They don't have the, the look. My wife makes me dress like this. Do you still love them enough to talk to them? Or somebody who has messed up in their lives royally. I mean, just messed up royally. In Pittsburgh, we had a man that came on a regular basis who spent 21 years in jail. Manslaughter. He came every Sunday. But there were those who say, he did that. And they avoided him like a plague. God loves him. My mom has this thing about tattoos. So I keep telling her I'm going to get one across my chest. We were in Daytona and I passed the tattoo shop and I said, Sue, I should go in there and, and get, get myself a tattoo. She said, well, what would you get? I said, I'll get a hula girl so I can make her dance. She said, you can do that as long as you put mom over it. <laughs> but my mom doesn't like people with tattoos. People who have tattoos are, are evil in her eyes. Even her two grandchildren have tattoos. And she goes on for hours about how could my little sister let them get tattoos. My little sister had zero to do with it. 
they drove and were old enough and went and got tattoos because it's seeing things. But what if we had somebody come in that was all tattooed? Would you love them? If God is in us, we love them. I love my wife. I don't think there's anything she could do to push me away. That's bad news for her, but it's good news for me. I love my daughter. And when I was hired here, I told them, they said, it, 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 what would make you leave? And I said, if my daughter needs me, I will go. So if my daughter needs me, I go. She's that important to me. But what if it's somebody that's not family and you have those relationships? God is love. They've always existed. And they've always had this deep love to change our lives. And these three beings that have always lived, who have always, who have always existed, planted together that Jesus will come to earth. And he'll save us from our sins. It's for everybody. There's some people that Jesus reached out to. Even his disciples didn't get it. Scholars today can't figure out why he chose the men he chose to be his disciples. It's because he's love. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, God lives in us. And his love is made complete in us. You see, we're the beneficiaries. It doesn't matter what you've done or where you've been. God loves you. Doesn't matter what you've done in your life or how far you've gone, God still loves you. You can be sure you're born of God. And if you're sure because you're living a life of love, it's it's the marker that you can know you have eternal life. Love is one of those things that we like to think of as happy all the time and, and giddy and all that. But sometimes love hurts because you care so much. That's why Jesus goes to the cross. 
It was love that put him on the cross, love for us. There was no other way. And to hang on a cross for the time he hung on a cross, to be ridiculed. They usually threw things at them. And you were in agony for hours upon hours. And Jesus voluntarily does that because he loves us. In Acts chapter 2, it tells us the way to take advantage of that love is to repent of your sins and be baptized for the remission of your sins. And you receive the Spirit, which helps you love. If you haven't done that yet, we can do that this morning. If you've once done that and you're no longer living for him who died for you, he still loves you. And he wants you back. If there's a way that we can help you get there, won't you come? Why together should we stand and why we sing? sin, the sin in our own lives is what separates us from God. That penalty is death unfortunately. Yet he loves us so much that he gave us a way through that. Uh, his son dying on the cross to, uh, to offer that forgiveness. We can put that forgiveness on with baptism. It washes away our sins. Um, it's the way. That's how much he loves us. Uh, I had a Bible verse I thought kind of went along with this. It was Matthew 6:26. Look at the birds of the air, they neither sow nor reap nor gather in the barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? He loves us very, very much. He takes care of everything else in the world, and he takes care of us too. Uh, I got another story on that later, so I'll offer that.
Thanks for joining us here on the orange carpet or on your own orange carpet at home. Got you there. So anyway, grab yourself a bulletin. They are expertly prepared and they are out there in a the foyer. They're also available online. You get one on email, snail mail, however, too. So it's got a guide to a little bit of everything. There's an article, there's a prayer list. Um, some things that did not quite make the prayer list or didn't. Uh, as you know, the, the COVID, the Rona, as I call it, it uh, it's, seems to be, uh, a lot of us know people who have it this time. We may not have known so many early on, but right now it seems to uh, be hitting a lot more people. Um, one of our own, Ad, Ad Laughlin has, has got it. They're Royal Oak. She's doing okay still, right? She's got a cough, but she seems to be getting better. Even better than that. So that's a good thing. Marie Adams, Steve Adams' mom, she's been on a ventilator. So uh, very tough with that. I understand that Kerry Berkey from Rockledge, I understand he was hospitalized with it. So uh, it may not be the best of information, but anyways, pass that along. Um, Rhonda Dickerson's son-in-law, Mark, had back surgery this week and is doing pretty well through that. Cindy Foreman's sister, Kathy, can't even read my own handwriting, it's getting old, uh, has AFib, she was in the ER yesterday, so uh, pray for them too. Um, I'm gonna add another story. Uh, I posted online yesterday, but not everybody's on Facebook, but I'll kind of share a synopsis of that. Um, for the past year, Fried Hardeman has uh, talked to me about Ashanti going to school there. Um, they got his name probably through either Lads Leaders or Central Florida Bible Camp. It's hard to tell what. Um, they've talked to me several times. They've talked to him several times. I will tell you that it heated up here in the last couple of weeks, and uh, it's like, uh, that ain't going to happen. Um, as Matt, matter of fact, even last week, and they said, can you write a letter of recommendation because the school wasn't getting back to them? So I wrote a letter of recommendation. It's probably the worst letter of recommendation I've ever written because it doesn't recommend anything. Tells my uh, involvement with the Shashanti and watching him grow in the last 12 years. Doors that were opened and how he stepped up to do what was needed. Um, anywho, um, I told them on Tuesday, the bus leaves from our house. Camille's car, she's going to take Grant and his roommate Lou. There's a seat in that car if he can make it. Um, things were coming together. Actually, Sunday, I told, talked to Shanti. I said, you don't have a good backup plan on this. You don't even really know what college is. So we kind of planned on community college. And when I talked to the recruiter on Monday, she uh, convinced me to look at it otherwise, that God had put a lot of things in place. He'd moved a lot of blocks into place to take care of Ashanti over, over these years. A lot of things, a lot of people, a lot of love that was shown through the bus ministry, through uh, each one of you, to get him to this point, to open up an opportunity that he would not have had otherwise. Um, anywho, Tuesday at noon, I got the call that he had been accepted primarily on a letter of recommendation. Uh, they said that the recruiters told me she was a bus ministry kid uh, and she has thrived through that and she expects the environment there to do the same. It's an environment that I've heard about for 21 years from my own wife. Um, as they went up there, things fell into place a little bit here and there. Um, I have worked on the phones. I am probably peopled out for the last week. I'm not a people person, I'll be honest with you. But um, so anyways, Things fell into place. Camille left Tuesday with the boys. Wednesday morning, she was in a car accident. They are all fine. The car did not make it. Uh, I grabbed the Jesus van, picked them up, and uh, ironically, or God's plan, the Jesus van dropped Ashanti off at college. <laughs> so, anyway, that's part of the story. Uh, 
up to probably a half hour before we got to campus, pieces were still moving into place to have him help. Uh, we had already committed, and I'll be very transparent, they have a church match scholarship where every dollar from a church in the offered, went to the school in the student's name would be matched by the school. We had offered to do $1,500. He was still coming up short. I offered another thousand. They met another thousand. The soccer coach who had space on his team has given Shanti a scholarship. He bumped his up, uh, even $4,000 of funding some, somewhere else. Uh, pieces that could not have happened uh, any other way. Got to put those places in place. So, um, part of my plea today, that's, we'll get to that story, but, anyways, part of this, you hear the story about uh, how Abraham was go to a land that I will show you. And this is where Ashanti's at. What's his plan for college? It's college. I don't think he fully understands it. He, uh, while there, the athletic people, he's, like I say, he got a place on the soccer team. The soccer coach had been sick this year and did not do his recruiting, didn't finish it, so he had space on his team. Space is not usually there. At the last minute, he gets another player. Um, when I'm with athletics, the lady that is there, she's a great grandmother. She's a 30-year teacher. She's uh, she's worked there 20 years. She hand holds the athletes to get them what they need. Uh, she is taking care of Ashanti. Uh, I will guarantee it's everything I ever wanted in somebody. Um, she's there. She hugged him. He's family. His dorm mom has 17 adopted kids. So she is the Fran Robinson of his life now. So her family picture above her desk I, I was this wide. It was huge. So um, he has the right people. That environment I know will help him grow. The, the plea that I make is not really so much a plea. Like I said, the church has, has offered this. If you would like to help, if you don't feel like you can help, the church has already helped. If you would like to help, and you... Um, can backfill that money, basically in his name. That way it's there for the next whatever. It's uh, for the benevolence or the bus ministry or whatever. You can help, help backfill that money, put it back into our treasury, basically in his name. Um, that church match scholarship is probably something that we should even consider here. Uh, Grant's already there. Shanti's there. Um, Jamie's going next year. Kaylee Bonner will probably go the next year. She's already doing online dual enrollment with Freed. It may be an annual bus trip on the Jesus van, just taking kids there each year. But anyways, it's something we might see. But if you want to give to that, like I said, God put a lot of things in place for Ashanti. If you'd like to help out with that, see me, um, and we'll take care of it from there. This evening at 5, we're going to have worship here. Mask worship. Bring your mask. Wear your mask. Um, it's, it's primarily for the rules are a little different for those who want that. Um, I've already heard from people that say thank you. They, uh, they, they desire that and they will be shifting from morning to evening. So, and on Wednesdays we have, we got a teen class and we have an adult class in here. Mike's teaching a class on Colossians in here right now. So come join us on that. It's also online. So Mr. Steve has got one more announcement. So in your bulletin is an announcement about a uh, one-day lectureship at South Seminole Hospital. Or hospital. You can tell I work in hospitals, can't you? <laughs> South Seminole Church of Christ. Whenever I say South Seminole, it just comes out hospital. Sorry about that. Um, it's a one-day lectureship on August 28th, and it's basically from 8.45 to 2.30. Um, it is based on Proverbs 6, 16. 
through 19, and it says, These six things the Lord hates. Yes, seven are an abomination to him, a proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that are swift in running to evil, a false witness who speaks lies, and one who sows discord among brethren. So there you have the topics that are going to be spoken on, on August 28th at South Seminole. Barbara and I are tentatively planning to go, and if there is enough interest, we can get the church bus ready for a trip to go over there as well and leave early enough, get breakfast on the way, and then attend the lectureship. Lunch is provided at the lectureship, um, and then make our way back uh, over here to the building. So I have the, uh, the flyer here. I can post this in the hallway. Um, and it's got the, the topics on there as well. So uh, if you want to go, let me know. Let's see what we can do. Thanks. Shall we stand for our closing song? Christ's name, amen.